1: if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help.
2: One
0: heart at a time.
1: Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Well, here we are on a Monday, last day of January. First month is already over as of uh, midnight tonight, starting into February tomorrow. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to the Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction, hoping to help you understand how God might be leading in your life and examine some of those different areas where he might be speaking to you. And we do that every day with the help of a spiritual director, a priest that joins us. Now, as we begin our program today, when was the last time that you told your husband or your wife that you love them? Or maybe it was your mom or your dad. Have you said those words recently, I love you? And when you love someone, how does that impact your behavior toward that person? Love has the effect on us that we do things we might not normally do, just on our own, and that's because we want to make that special someone happy. When you're in love, you might go see a sporting event for a team that you care absolutely nothing about. But the person that you love, they're a huge fan of the team, so you go along to make them happy. You might try a new food that they want to uh, have you try, something they really enjoy. And so you try it too, hoping that you can share that enjoyment together. You find yourself setting aside things that you want in an effort to make the person you love happy. And when they are happy, you're happy. One of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. It's a humorous tale, very popular movie, uh, dealing with love, some swashbuckling adventure, memorable characters. If you've never watched it, I do highly recommend it. In the beginning of The Princess Bride, you're introduced to two different characters. First, there's Buttercup. She's a young woman who lives on a farm, grown up there. And her favorite pastimes, according to the movie, are watching, uh, I'm sorry, riding her horse, riding her horse, and then tormenting the farm boy. And the second character that you meet is that farm boy, Westley. And Buttercup, she never called Westley by his name. She only addressed him as farm boy. And nothing gave Buttercup as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around, giving him task after task. And whenever Buttercup gave Wesley a task, he would respond with three simple words every time. As you wish. He always did whatever she requested. He always responded the same way every time as well. As you wish. One day, however, the movie says, when she asked Wesley to fill a couple of buckets with water from the well, After hearing him give that normal answer, she was amazed to discover when he was saying, as you wish, what he really meant was, I love you. And I think this is a beautiful example of how love, true love, it makes us want to do whatever we're asked, especially when we're asked to do something by that person that we love. And it kind of goes back to that old cliche, actions speak louder than words. But this might cause you then to examine how you respond when someone asks you, when somebody you love asks you to do something. If your wife or your husband asks for your help with something around the house, how do you respond? (laughs) Do you help immediately with a good attitude or do you find yourself grumbling, kind of dragging your feet? You might do whatever they ask you to do, but perhaps it's only because it's easier to do that, get it over with, rather than have your spouse nag at you to do it later. How about when God asks you to do something? What's your response then? If God is calling you maybe to help someone in your parish or to possibly volunteer in some way in your community, how do you respond? Do you have that resistance, that reluctance? to do what God is asking of you? Do you make a bunch of excuses, maybe like Moses there in front of the burning bush? I can't do what you want, God. I'm too busy, or I'm not qualified. I'm not the right person. Ask someone else. Or do you immediately and joyfully respond with a simple, as you wish, when God requests something from you? I know, obedience isn't always easy, but today on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about obedience being obedient to God in all the ways that he asks us to trust him, to follow the rules that he's given us for living in unity with him. We'll also discuss our relationships, being obedient to those individuals that God has placed in roles of authority over us. And joining us as our spiritual director today, I'm glad to welcome back to the program, Father Rob Kroll. Father Rob is a Jesuit priest and the Director of Spiritual Formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Father Rob, welcome back to The Inner Life.
2: Thank you, Josh. Good to be back, and good to uh, be able to address with you a very important topic, that of obedience. So look forward to uh, exploring that during the coming hour.
0: Well, and as a religious, this is one of those vows that you end up taking. Uh, Mm -hmm. Priests take certain vows, obedience being one of those. Why is obedience so important in the life of a priest?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a religious, I do take a vow of obedience, and um, it's obedience, uh, I guess, more immediately to my provincial, who has the authority over me to, uh, to send me, especially on various assignments or missions, just like a diocesan bishop might do the same with one of his priests. And uh, although it's very freeing, because I don't have to call all my own shots. Um, sometimes obedience can be challenging. Uh, I can think of you know, one time in particular when I was asked to take on a, a mission or an assignment, which I wasn't that thrilled about, and yet I didn't really hesitate. I, I did uh, express my mind and heart to the provincial. I wanted him in his own discernment to kind of know what was going on within me, but uh, he sent me, and uh, and it, it worked out okay, you know, so I think uh, – Obedience is very important uh, for us who have that vow, but it's also important for, you know, I think everybody who, as as you've already highlighted in the introduction to the program, you know, we're ultimately obedient to God and to God's will, um, but um, also obedient to those tasks and responsibilities and commitments that we've taken on, such as a a spouse uh, in in a marriage and with children, and children with parents and so forth. I think we'll talk about that today, but... uh, Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, the problem that I think a lot of us have is when when we think of obedience, we tend to think about something that is um, kind of crushing, that uh, thwarts our will, and that takes away our freedom. You're
0: limiting my freedom, absolutely.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so I think if if there's nothing else that I would want people to take away from our program today, it's that obedience is actually very freeing and liberating, um, because uh, it's ultimately by obeying God and His will and His design for us, that we flourish and, and we're, we're really happy. And I think, you know, those of us that are adults and are a little older, we can look back maybe on our adolescent years and realize that when we thought we were being super free, you know, and disobeying mom and dad or the church or, you know, whoever it might be, the law, that, uh, you know, in the end, we ended up feeling pretty enslaved and pretty unhappy. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really good topic that we're we're tackling
0: yeah, as you're talking about that you know feeling of being enslaved, feeling of unhappiness, um, I, I think there's also you end up having those regrets in your life. You know, And, and, you know, you'll talk with people who say, oh, I never regret anything. It made me the person who I am. I think that's kind of a lie to yourself. I think all of us have done at least one or two (laughs) things in our lives where we say, oh, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could take back what I said to that person or what I did. That really hurt somebody. Um, And so following, you know, as you said, ultimately we want to obey God. Mm -hmm. And that frees us not only in ways that we can be happy, but we can live a life free of regret that way, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, know, I think that's a good point, that we, you know, our conscience isn't uh, burdened when we obey in freedom what God has asked us to do, and, and um, you know, I thought of this analogy, too, that I've, I sometimes have used this in talks or on retreats, but um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I took piano lessons for a bunch of years growing up, and um, you know, if you think about, let's say, a young kid who sits down at a piano with no training whatsoever, never took a lesson in, in his or her life, and suddenly that child just sort of starts banging away on the 88 keys, you know, and kind of randomly pounding on them. And, you know, they may feel very, very free because it's like, oh, I can play any, you know, any keys I want in any order I want. But of course, the sound that's produced is is, you know, ugly and noisy and we want them to stop. Then you think about some classically trained pianist. You know, as a kid, I remember uh, Vladimir Horowitz being a hero of mine. And you think about how, you know, somebody who obeys the quote-unquote rules or laws of music, you know, they, they follow the notes that are on the page. They, um, you know, they, they discipline. They spend years learning scales and doing all this disciplining of their playing. But what results is something that's beautiful, that people pay big bucks to go see in a concert hall. Um, so I think anything that's, you know, kind of beautiful, uh, that's, that's good, that, that um, you know, pleases us, it, 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 it requires obedience. It, it requires obedience to whatever laws kind of govern that particular activity. Um, and so I think, anyway, that's something that... No, uh, I, I, I yeah,
0: I really like that analogy. I think, you know, especially if you listen to jazz music, the idea of improvisation. If somebody tries to Im- improvise musically, uh, whether it's on a piano, whether it's mm-hmm. you know a trumpet or a saxophone taking a solo in a jazz uh, ensemble, mm-hmm. if you don't understand the way those notes, those scales, those chords, um, everything works together, the mm-hmm. relative you know major and minors, all of those different mm-hmm. things, you're going to find yourself really limited on the yeah. notes that you know that you can play. Yeah. and try and bring that fun improvised solo there in a jazz song. Whereas right. the more you know and understand the reasons for why music theory is structured the way it is and why yeah. those notes interact well together, the the greater the ability. And then really it does become a matter of you have far more freedom to more free. play Yeah, this amazing jazz solo. Right. And that's right. why <laughs> when you go listen to something... <laughs> by, you know, whether it's going back to uh, Duke Ellington uh, or maybe it's something more modern, you know, the Wynton Marcellus or somebody. You you, yeah. you hear that there's so much knowledge that's just being brought out and that freedom becomes a fun and enjoyable moment.
2: Exactly. No, that, that's actually even a better example in the sense that you're you're allowing for improvisation, but it's within certain boundaries. You know, I, we're, a lot of us are watching football these days. I watched the uh, men's final yesterday of the... Uh, australian open and so let's say i take that as an example so you got a tennis court um it's got lines and the ball you know is sometimes in sometimes out you've got umpires there to make these calls and you have to obey their rules but then when you have the court delineated it opens up the freedom to then play you know with all kinds of variety of shots and so forth or you know football the same way there's certain rules about um being off sides and and you know where the t- where the uh you know, end zone is and all that. But but if you know, you you can imagine people just going out in a field and starting, you know, crazily, you know, playing with this football, and there was no rules, there was no purpose, it would just be chaos, and it would be not very fun or interesting. But when you when you delineate, you know, certain boundaries, then within that, you open up a space for incredible freedom. And uh, so yeah, I think your your improvisation, uh, it's the same kind of idea.
0: Talking with Father Rob Kroll today, a Jesuit priest, the Director of Spiritual Formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee, talking about obedience, that virtue that we try and live out, and maybe it's difficult sometimes. When have you had to exercise obedience, even if you didn't want to, or maybe especially if you didn't want to? Um, Were you rebellious at a time in your life? And what changed? What helped you to come to a place where you were finally willing to submit to the authority over you and be obedient? Is there an area where you struggle to be obedient to God and His leading in your life? You can call in and speak with Father Rob at 888 914 9149. 888 914 9149 is the number to join the conversation today. You can also email us, life at com. And Father, uh, let's look at what we can uh, gain as far as knowledge from Scripture. You know, we have so much there in Revelation of who God is, of uh, how we interact with God. Uh, The first place that might be natural to talk about obedience is the very first sin ever committed. Adam and Eve, they're eating the forbidden fruit in the garden. And we all, of course, we inherit that stain of original sin from them, but a major component of their actions in that first sin, is disobedience. And I think that we might first look at that story of the tree in the Garden of Eden, and we say, why would God even place that tree there? It was almost like he was setting them up for failure. But my mom, she always liked to say when I asked about that, she said, oh, even if Adam and Eve hadn't have eaten the fruit, somebody else would have eventually done it. But I think this kind of goes to a larger point where we might not be asking the right question if all we're saying is, why did God give them a tree that they couldn't eat from? I think the bigger picture is, we're probably always going to have those different moments that come up in our life where we're going to be faced with decisions, and we're going to have to choose. We're going to have that choice that involves, we do good, we obey what we've been taught, what we know, maybe you know what uh, we have learned through our, our Christian, our Catholic upbringing, or... We've got the alternative. We can make a choice that disobeys, or it goes, it follows our own selfish desires, and it's that disobedience. That's kind of the larger picture, I guess. I see in that choice that's given to Adam and Eve. What, what do you see there?
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that point very much so. And and I guess what I would add is I think there's a real invitation to trust, uh, both in that Genesis two story and just in general in the scriptures in other. Um, instances where people are asked to obey God. Um, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to do do I trust that God is good and that God, if he commands something of me, um, does so only for my good and my flourishing, that he's not interested in, um, you know, manipulating me or harming me. And so that, I think, is a really important element in all this, that uh, you know, we kind of there was that program uh, a long time ago called "Father Knows Best." You know, and do we really believe that though, when it comes to God, that you know He is a a kind uh, and and obviously very wise uh, heavenly Father who knows us intimately, who knows what's good for us uh, both as individuals and as a human family, and so He's you know if He if He lays down a command or a law, uh, that ultimately it's it's for our good, and we may not. You know, understand it, um, and we might be tempted um, very strongly to kind of um, disobey because we we somehow think that we know best. And so there's a call to to trust, and therefore to real humility too. I think right along with obedience, the virtue of humility is very tied to that. Because uh, yeah, we're, we're saying that we're not God, and we're not at the center of things. I don't know everything as well as God does. And um, so with that tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's not that God doesn't want us to know what's good and what's evil. It's, it's that he doesn't want us to be the uh, dictators of that, or we're not the ones who ultimately determine good and evil. That's, that's God's role. Um, our, our, our job is to kind of follow um, his commands, trusting that, you know, doing good, avoiding evil is going to be uh, life-giving. And um, so, yeah, I would add that. If I could maybe say one more thing, Josh, and that's just yeah. too. I think sometimes the etymology of a word can be helpful. And if we look at kind of the root meaning of obey or obedience, you've got this Latin word odire, which is to hear or to listen. And then ob, obi, is, is uh, the pro, um, preposition to. So really when we're talking about obedience, we're talking about a, a disposition or an attitude of listening, and hearing, uh, and listening to God, or listening to the voice of whoever is the one placed over us in authority. You know, for a child, that could be mom and dad. You know, for me, it could be my provincial. Ultimately, again, for all of us, it's God himself. But I think, um, you know, that's an important element where we're talking about obedience. We're really trying to hear or listen for the voice of God. And, And that's why in my own religious life, you know, the provincial, I think there was a time in religious life where the individual um, priest or religious had no say in the matter. He was just told where he's going, you know, no input, no consultation. Today, you know, the provincial, in his discernment about a particular man's mission, he wants to hear from that man and from others who know the man well so that the Holy Spirit could be speaking through them as well. Because that's ultimately the goal, is we're all trying to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, again, that can devolve into... uh, just sort of communal decision-making, and that's not real obedience either. Ultimately, I, I do obey the provincial, but I can obey more freely and more willingly when I know that he's also listened to maybe how the Holy Spirit has been coming up in my own prayer, you know, and uh, I can trust him more than that.
0: Yeah, well, it, it like you say, it makes you a more willing participant because not only have you been involved in the conversation uh, you're going to be more excited and passionate about what you're doing at that point if uh, You know your your consideration has been taken into account there uh, yeah. Father before we go to our first break. Let's go to the phones. We've got amber who's listening in Chicago amber Thanks for calling in welcome to the inner life
3: Hi, thank you so much for taking my call I just wanted to share that so I'm 22, but I was raised in a very Catholic home and we went to the traditional Latin Mass. we veiled, I, modesty was pushed very, uh, very well in my family, but I was very rebellious, extremely rebellious, even as a child, I didn't wanna follow my parents, I hated chores, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I was typically the youngest child, so. Um, <laughs> but eventually, after um, eight years away from the church, because I went off on my own for about eight years, I came back and I started realizing that all the rules the church had, they weren't there to hinder us. It wasn't there to stop us from having, quote-unquote, fun. Um, It was really there as protection, protection for our soul and protection for ourselves. And uh, it took me a long time to realize that. But after going through a lot of experiences in high school with... um, just anywhere from seeing how drugs affected my friends and uh, just gay marriage becoming legalized. And there were a bunch of problems that as a young adult, I didn't know how to handle. And I didn't realize the church already had handled a lot of these issues and tell us how to approach these, you know, issues with love and compassion. And um, I didn't realize that till I came back. So,
2: yeah. Great. Thanks, Amber, for sharing that. I mean, I think it's always helpful to hear somebody's, you know, lived experience. And and so you had a taste of that kind of rebellion, which is, again, similar to Adam and Eve or others in the Bible who uh, disobey God for a time, but then are brought back to, um, you know, a a relationship of of obedience. And I really like what you say about, you know, the fact that uh, the church, who is a mother, right, a parent, um, the church as our mother does have our best interest at heart, and she's there to protect us and and you mentioned, you know, that there are a lot of ways of having fun. You know, as a youngster, uh, we often think that, you know, fun is what it's all about. And, you know, I think it's really important to distinguish fun or pleasure from authentic happiness. And uh, sometimes sometimes happiness, you know, it does involve a sacrifice. It it, it comes with a cost, but, but there's a deep sense of peace and joy at knowing that I'm really doing what is uh, consistent with my nature and with how God has designed things. So. Yeah, so thanks for calling in and sharing
0: that. Amber, thanks so much for your call. And yeah, you know, going back to what you're saying there, Father, it's also not uh, it's not good to get so caught in the, the present moment that we lose sight that that long-term joy, that long-term happiness, even though it might require a little bit of a sacrifice or a little bit of suffering right now, or, you know, doing something we don't want to do or having to do something we we really don't want to do. But in the end, to have that long-term vision, to be able to say, this isn't just for the here and now, this is for uh, what I have in front of me. You know, Mm -hmm. that joy is in the journey of seeking to know and love and serve God.
2: Right. And I think your your comments at the beginning of the program about love and using that uh, story of, of Buttercup and Wesley was really in, instructive because ultimately we want to obey out of love. Uh, it it may feel in the moment kind of like a burden um, and difficult, but ultimately if we love somebody um, you know, we want to serve them and so obedience, you know, that's another sort of dimension of obedience is it's really about service and and putting other people's needs first, you know, over my own Um the word joy, I've sometimes seen this, where the, the J is Jesus, the O is others, and the Y is yourself. So to put things in that or, order, you know, Jesus, others, myself last, that, that, that really leads to genuine joy, whereas putting myself and my interests and, and needs first, um, you know, ultimately that's going to leave me pretty unfulfilled, so...
0: Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director. As today we're talking about obedience, might not be the easiest thing, but we all have to exercise that virtue of obedience at some point in our lives. And how have you been able to, maybe like Amber, you had that time in your life where you were rebellious? What has changed? What helped you come to a place where you were able to finally see, you know what, that obedience that is being requested of me. It's not going to stifle or hamper what I want to do. In fact, it'll give me more freedom in my life. Is there an area maybe where you're struggling right now to be obedient to God and you'd like some encouragement, some advice? You can call in 888-914-9149, 9149 We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com/stgregory. So how are you at obedience? Is it a difficult thing for you when you're told to do something, when you're supposed to follow (laughs) what somebody else is asking of you, whether that's a parent, a spouse, maybe an employer, uh, maybe it is God himself who is asking you to do something and it's difficult for you. Uh, That's what we're talking about today here on The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour's Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. And you're welcome to call in with uh, your story of how you've been able to grow to that place where you were able to finally submit to that authority over you and be obedient. Um, And again, maybe that's God himself. Uh, Maybe you're really struggling right now with obedience in your life, and you'd like some advice, 888-914-9149, 888 9149 our email address, relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, we were talking about that story that we have from Scripture, um, Adam and Eve. Uh, one of the things that might be good to talk about, too, is uh, just other places in Scripture as well. You know, I guess, first of all, are there any places that really stand out to you in Scripture? Because we have so many different examples. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we had that reading at Mass where King Saul went into battle against the, Mal- the Amalekites. He didn't obey God. Samuel the prophet ends up calling him out on it, and King Saul, he tries to justify what he did by saying, oh, this was going to be offered for God, but... Samuel then replies, obedience is better than any offerings or any sacrifices that we might try and give. Obedience is better. Jonah, that's another well-known story, another Mm -hmm. example where we see the possible consequences when we don't obey God. I mean, very stark consequences in that instance. Any uh, particular stories, any passages in Scripture that really stand out to you on that topic of obedience?
2: Well, you know, one that I often quote on retreats comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Right at the end of the chapter, uh, starting at verse 15, Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he basically says this. I'll just read it. Um, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, And by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, there's that uh, obedience with listening again, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall perish. So he's setting kind of this choice between, I think that passage highlights a number of things we've already talked about. So that, you know, obedience is a choice, um, that it involves life and death ultimately, you know, and um, and that by obeying God's commands and statutes and so forth, we're not, we're not going to be enslaved. We're actually going to be free and we're going to have life to the full. But if we turn away and we won't hear and, and, you know, worshiping other gods, well, we know that in our own lives we can make many gods out of almost any reality, anything, any, you know, desire, envy. Um, so, you know, we know from our own experience that we can kind of put other things in the place of God. And and it's not that God, again, it's not just like from outside of ourselves, God's just going to punish us or make us perish, you know, that, that, that this is kind of an internal law. It's a reality. It, it, you know, it's not that God is out there um, going to just punish us for our disobedience, but that because he's designed us and the world in a certain way, it's to our own detriment if we ignore, you know, what God has established and just kind of try to go our own way. I think about that Frank Sinatra hymn, you know, I did it my way, which mm-hmm. is kind of a thing. And also I'm kind of dating myself by saying that. But, uh, you know, here's a guy at the end of his life, You know, and he's saying, I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway, but much more than this, I did it my way. You know, and the final stanza is like, for what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. But this isn't really freedom. It's just kind of self-assertion. You know, like I'm not going to kneel uh you know what a great thing as catholics that we do (laughs) we kneel at mass for a reason we're trying to show god even in our bodily posture that we want to obey him and again it's all out of love it's it's not just out of constraint you know so
0: father rob kroll is our spiritual director and we're taking your phone calls as well at 888-914-9149 as today we're talking about obedience and the freedom that that brings in our lives 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Jenny who's calling in from Rockville, Maryland. Jenny, thanks for calling in. You're on the air with Father Rob.
4: Hi, hello. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to share a quick story. Uh, my husband and I um, had just gotten married, and while we were very excited about having kids, we kind of thought to ourselves, well, let's just take a year and travel and have fun, and, and then we'll we'll get to the business of of uh, of wanting to have kids. And so we, we were going to be using NFP, um, and then through spiritual direction, a really great priest, he kind of just was very honest with me and said, you know, is there any serious reason why, other than having, trying to have quote-unquote fun and, and traveling, I mean, is there any other serious reason why you wouldn't just be open to, to children now? And we didn't. We didn't have a serious reason. So um, from that conversation, we decided, okay, we're just going to be open and, and God will, will take care of us. And very quickly found out that it was going to be a lot harder to have children than we had imagined. Um, I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis and it, it it took a toll for, um, for a couple of years, actually of of medical procedures all within, you know, the Catholic church, all with Napro technology. But, um, but then we realized like, wow, you know, if we, we, if we had waited and not been open to what, um, or, or my priest was saying to me, um, it could have been a lot longer. And, um, And then we got to the point where we were kind of losing hope and uh, thought about other techniques, other sciences, and um, were just really sad about it. And then finally realized, okay, you know, again, it's in God's hands. Um, We don't want to go against our faith, our church. Um, We know there's wisdom there. It was still very hard, but we were open um, to God and, and what he was preparing us for. And then, um, as I was actually applying for graduate school, uh, we found out we were expecting, um, and so then we had two wonderful opportunities and then we had our beautiful son, um, and then, uh, um, about three or four years later we had our daughter and now we're expecting our, our third child. So, um, I did, I did go to graduate school. I did finish, um, we have uh, beautiful children and we're so very open and just, we value life and value children and value our marriage in a way that I don't think we would have had we gone our way and and done things um, the way that we thought was best. And I I was just, I'm so grateful for the wisdom of the church um, in that and and our priest who was courageous enough to just really be honest with us.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Jenny, thanks for sharing that very personal story. Uh, That's really inspiring. And, I'm smiling because I just had read from that Deuteronomy 30 passage, you know, Moses saying, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. And here you call in with a story of literally these new little lives, you know, having been brought into your marriage because of your obedience. And um, so I think, yeah, you, you share a lot of wisdom there. I mean, the fact that like the church is a mother and that, uh, this priest that was placed, you know, in your lives that you kind of listened out of out of obedience to that particular authority. So God's will. Sometimes, you know, we do listen in in our own hearts, and God speaks to us there. But very often, it's through other people um, that God's will is revealed to us. And and you didn't uh, you didn't hide the fact that this was hard, you know. But you were open. You remained open, and and God has richly blessed you. So it's not like being obedient always is a walk in the park. I mean, it can be really, really challenging. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, what a, what a great—we've uh, had a couple now of callers that have had some really beautiful uh, personal stories, so thanks for those testimonies.
0: Well, and, you know, Father, listening to Jenny, you know, her whole experience goes back to one of the key words that you talked about uh, earlier in the hour, trust. You know, there's not only the obedience, but there's the trust that, okay— You know, there are these other ways we could try and take matters into our own hands. We could try and see what we can do, but just saying, okay, God, you're in control and we trust you with, you know, being open to life. And if that's to bless us with children, you know, if not, there's, you know, maybe some sorrow there, but we do trust you. I I think that's just a beautiful message we heard from Jenny as well.
2: And I think too, uh, Josh, that, um, Jenny's story is instructive because it teaches us that if we do trust, if we can make an act of trust and we realize the fruit of that, it makes it perhaps easier the next time. You know, I mean our our lives are a series of surrenders, a series of saying yes, you know, giving our fiat like Mary to the will of God. And, you know, if we do it over the course of our lifetime, it may still remain at times a struggle, but I think that trust grows and we kinda often see in hindsight that um, the trust really, really um, made sense and and bore fruit for us. So I think, yeah, so there's maybe like a a cumulative effect that these series of acts of trust can can have in our lives. Uh,
0: Father, one of the things that I thought would be important for us to talk about is the role of obedience in marriage. And there's that last section in the fifth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, And in that passage in the Bible, many might look at it and consider it maybe old-fashioned, outdated, even misogynistic. And I'm talking about the lines where uh, Paul talks about wives being subordinate or being submissive to their husbands. And Paul, to quote the scripture, he says, As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Now, of course, there's more to that. You know, that, that part has been taken out. And kind of capitalized on maybe by, uh, you know, people who misunderstand what's really being said there, because Paul actually says far more to the husbands about how they're supposed to love their wives in the same way Jesus loved the church to the point of handing himself over for the good of the church. He talks about how a husband is supposed to sanctify his wife, again, following Christ's example, um, supposed to care for his wife as he cares for himself. And we've got a uh, caller, Arcadia, who's calling in with kind of a question related to this. So, uh, again, want to throw out the phone number if you're listening and you'd like to call in as we talk about obedience today. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the phone number to call in and talk with Father Rob Kroll. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Arcadia, thank you so much for calling in. You're on the air with Father Rob Kroll.
1: Good morning. Uh, yes, I think... You said everything I needed to say. I've been married 39 years, happily married, very uh, Catholic, uh, grew up in the church, so is my husband. And so I've always looked to him as the leader, and we compromise on most everything, but I always let him uh, have the last word, sort of well, you know I'm human, but <laughs> anyway, my question is, I still like to be more involved in the church, more so than he. We go to church regularly. I'm a catechist. Uh, we moved, but I used to be Eucharistic minister and elector. Um, uh, and uh, my husband, not, not, I mean, he agreed to do that, but now that we moved, he's not crazy about the idea. He just kind of pulls back. He doesn't want to be that involved. And since I uh, want to be more involved, but I also know that I need to honor him, and since we both work full-time on top of everything, um, is it okay that I, I, I'm not as involved as I actually want to be because I'm letting him uh, win on this?
2: Well, let me uh, maybe ask a question, Arcadia, just to clarify. So um, he's not, your husband isn't forbidding you from doing any of these things, right? It's just that he himself has decided to kind of pull back. So I guess I'm wondering, help me understand better why you couldn't be involved in the same ways that you were before you moved. Why, Why do you feel you might have to reduce your involvement because your husband has?
1: Because it seems so restrictive when we are scheduled for a Eucharistic uh, minister or lector or whatever, we can't just come and go as we want, you know, go to a different church that weekend if we're out of town. Um, we, he just doesn't like that confinement of, well, we have to be here these two Sundays in a row. He doesn't like that restriction, which I get, because, you know, we do like to f- visit family in other areas.
2: Okay. Well, you know, this is something that, you know, ideally we'd be able to sit down and talk about at greater length. I mean, I would say in the context of of the call here, um, you know, that I still think, uh, while I appreciate your willingness and your desire to be, as Paul says, you know, kind of submissive to your husband. um, I mean, what I was going to say originally, kind of independent of your call, was just that... Obviously, this is something that has a, a certain cultural context as well, and we might not um, understand it today in the same way that paul did but again it's that 's not to say we should just reject it out of hand um, and as as Josh pointed out, um, this
1: you know the husband
2: has a lot of responsibility in terms of loving his wife like Christ and laying himself down and loving his wife as his own self, his own body, and so forth. Um, but I guess I would say, you know, that's it's something that I think requires conversation and discernment between the two of you. I, I wouldn't necessarily um, give up so easily your own desire to engage in some of those ministries that you talk about, because you know the the Lord might be putting that on your own heart, and it, it, it these things might be not only personally fulfilling for you as as a disciple of Jesus, but also it's a way for you to serve the larger community and and maybe the Lord is asking you to do that, even if your husband feels for his own reasons that he wants to pull back a little bit. So, you know, I realize that it gets into the practical things like you were saying of being available uh, and not being too tied down and so forth. But I guess, yeah, my, my advice would be to keep the conversation going with him and keep in your own prayer, continue to discern if, if God is putting this on your heart, then, um, you know, I think, uh, it might be important to follow that. But at the same time, and I'm maybe contradicting myself here too, I, I can understand where you might want to make a, a sacrifice of something that you you find personally enriching in order to um, kind of be on the same page with your husband. So, I mean, you know, I can't really yeah tell you exactly what to do, but
0: right, yeah, Father. I mean, as you you know, uh, you're talking about this. One of the the first things that comes to my mind is Arcadia. She and her husband might uh, be well um, uh, suited to go and talk more with maybe their parish priest about this. Mm-hmm. Another thought is, you know, Arcadia mentioned. That she and her husband are really good at finding that compromise in their marriage, you know, on different things that they work through. And maybe instead of it being that, you know, two weeks out of the month, that you're kind of tied to your home parish and you're committing to something, maybe mm-hmm. you can scale it back and instead of, you know, that, do once a month. And, yeah. you know, 75% of the, the month essentially is still yours if you want to travel, if you want to go do other things. But there's that one week per month where, you know, oh, no, this is this is the, the week that will help out, whether it's being a Eucharistic minister or lecturing or whatever it might be. Um, that That's another thought there, too. But again, um, probably somebody who could meet in person might be the best avenue, the best option to help kind of um go through this in greater detail
2: mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah, well said, it's not all or nothing, like you said, they might be able to compromise. I think sometimes when we use the word you know like I compromised in the situation, it sounds very negative, but right but, I
0: gave you know, in, I, I didn't get what I wanted right either. right, no, yeah. but in
2: a good way we we do need to compromise in the in the positive sense of yeah, just uh trying to accommodate different realities so. Uh, yeah, very good.
0: Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director here on the Inner Life today, talking about obedience. Maybe it's difficult for you. Maybe uh, you had a time in your life where obedience was difficult. You were a bit rebellious. Uh, maybe reluctant to obey somebody that God had placed in authority over you, and something changed. What helped you come to that place where you finally were able to say, "No, it's okay. I can. I can submit to that authority." And I can be obedient. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the number to call and join the program. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We'll continue with more of your phone calls and more with Father Rob right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you along with us for this hour. Our spiritual director is Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest, and we're talking about obedience, a topic that uh, might be difficult at different points in our lives, but... We're also welcome, welcoming your phone calls. Maybe you have a question about a struggle you're having with being obedient to someone in your life. Maybe it's God that you're having that difficulty following him and uh, being obedient to what he's asking you to do. 888 uh, 914 Father, before we go back to the phones, what if the person that is in that position of authority over me might be an employer what if they are someone who is maybe an unjust person, an unethical person? What should I do in that situation? Where does following our conscience take priority over obedience?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I think it always does. I mean, I think we, you know, the the highest authority is God and God's law and so we can never do evil even if it's commanded. You know, we have kind of the classic example, like of the Nazis in in World War II and how, you know, it's not an excuse just to say, well, I I had to follow orders. I mean, if we know in our conscience what's right and wrong and we're commanded by somebody to do what is wrong, then I think we are obligated before God to obey him. Um, And and so, you know, it it happens all the time in business where perhaps – you know somebody who's above another employee uh asks the employee to do something that's unethical um illegal and again you know there's maybe a, a high cost to being true to your conscience and to doing what's right but i think in the end uh the peace of mind and heart that we have is going to be worth much more than the the turmoil and guilt that we uh will have if we don't follow what's what's right so yeah we're we're never obligated to follow an unjust law, in fact, we're obligated to um, refuse it. And you know, certainly, somebody like Martin Luther King or Gandhi is a good example of how sure, uh, sure. You know, yeah, civil disobedience can be an obligation.
0: Father, let's go back to the phones. Julie's listening in Los Angeles. Julie, thanks for calling in. You're on the air.
5: Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Um, can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Fine. Go right ahead.
5: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to relay kind of a story along these lines of um, I wasn't raised with any kind of religion or anything, so I didn't necessarily rebel against discipline. But I was always I, I was living, you know, with no rules, kind of, kind of just trying to find my own way, go, go with my own playbook, oh. and it was leading nowhere. You know, my life was just it was just not a disaster, but not very fulfilling. And I was always searching for guidance. And I was going to all these other kinds of, you know, yoga and Buddhism and all these other religions trying to find something. And eventually I did end up in a Protestant church. And even that much guidance just completely changed my life. And then, but even that wasn't enough. And when I finally found the Catholic church, um, you know, it just completely changed my life following the the law, you know, God's law and, and the discipline that is um, required of us or asked of us, and and it, um, you know, I, so it's just amazing why, you know, like you were saying, you follow because of the fruit that it yields. You follow because you you love the Lord, and that's exactly what happened to me. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm obedient, but not because I'm being forced to but because I've seen how much my life has improved and grown and I'm no longer lost and searching and living, you know, by my own feelings and I have direction and it's safety and a foundation. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how your life can change for the better when you do follow the law and become disciplined and
2: obedient. Then.
0: Mm. Um, Julie, I'm going to let Father uh, Rob respond because we're down to our last minute here. Father Rob, what a beautiful call to end the hour on.
2: Yeah, amen. Thanks Julie and again just reinforces what the other callers said as well. I I think these personal stories uh bring home all that we're trying to say in this hour. Uh you even said follow my own playbook. I had to laugh at that because uh we used the analogy of sports before, but yeah, yeah, you're 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 right on target. So thanks for sharing that testimony.
0: Father, um, like I say, we're just down to remaining seconds here. If somebody wants to kind of dive deeper into having that attitude of trust, obedience, any saint you might recommend for further reading?
2: Um, well, I, I'm a little biased here, but I would say St. Ignatius Loyola <laughs> sure, is a good sure. one. He was a military man. He followed military commands, and then he, he stressed obedience a lot for us who are his disciples. But I think just for Christians in general, he would be a good person to consult
0: Excellent. Father Rob, we've got about 20 seconds for a final blessing for our listeners today.
2: Heavenly Father, please send down your Holy Spirit upon all of us and help us to obey you and your law out of love. And please help us to become freer disciples because of our obedience. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks so much, Father Rob, for being with us today. Thank you for listening and joining us during the hour. If you came in late, if you missed a portion of the earlier part of the hour, go back and find the podcast, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Jim Shaper helping to produce the program today. And stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.